Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast. Stretch your hands out as if someone was going to pour something in your hands. Everybody just stretch your hands out like this. You're receiving a gift. Now close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. Father, we just come before you this morning. And we thank you that you're a great, you're a great father. You're a great provider, a great comforter, a shield, a friend. God, we thank you that you've given us everything that we need. And as we draw near to you, you're drawing near to us. So this morning, right now, Father, John 3.30, I decrease that you might increase. Have your way in this place. Lord, we thank you that it's not my word that's being delivered, but it's your word. God, I thank you that you're meeting people exactly where they are. Just like you know the number of hairs on our head, God, you know all of the details of our lives. So whether it's healing whether it's a a job, a business deal, whatever it is, God, I thank you that here in this moment, we would enlarge our faith and that we're expectant for you to do great and mighty things in us and through us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Find somebody behind you and say, you look good. You look good. Even if they don't, speak it by faith. You look good. You look good. This is this is yeah this is the, the the real service right here. Lots of lots of coffee cups going. This is round number two, right? This is second pot of coffee for some of y'all. Uh, well, my name is AJ. Everybody say hi, AJ. Hi. And John Maxwell has a great quote: "You cannot be friends with someone unless you know their names." So I'll give you a little a little something about me before we dive in. So. I've got a wife, and she's Asian, and obviously I'm black, and so I say we have three Blasian. Everybody say Blasian. Three Blasian babies. I think they have a picture of, of my, my family. I Look at that squad right there, and that's, that's real life. Like That's what our life like looks like. So my wife, Amber Amaya, is in the yellow. Mila has her back turned. We, this was at the Oasis grocery store. You see her ears. She's covering her ears. We just opened a grocery store, Oasis Fresh Market, in North Tulsa, uh, the first grocery store in 14 years. Uh, Yeah, come on, Jesus. Um, Pastor Justin came to the church, and and I said, I think I have a word from the Lord for you and your church that if they don't buy groceries from the Oasis, I don't think God can bless you anymore. So... Um, you may need to shop at other places for some things, but your main, your main stuff, if you're not shopping at the Oasis, Pastor Justin told me to tell you God can't bless you anymore. So, um, but it was once known as a food desert. North Tulsa has been known as a food desert for 14 years. And really how I, I picked the name Oasis, uh, there was a company that had, you know, these expert companies, they, they give you all these names and we think market this and that. And, it was probably about 1130 at night, and I remember um, before the name was selected, closing my laptop, turning over the notebook, and I'm sitting at my desk, and I just closed my eyes, and I said, Lord, help me here. 
And I, 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 so I have three daughters, so I tell a lot of stories. My third daughter is Isla Grace. She'll be a year next month. So a shout out for the July babies. Any July 29th? Yeah, only at the, yeah, you're July 29th? You're nice. Give it up for the twins, July 29th. And of course, we love the news Dr. Newsbaum and his wife. Give it up for the Newsbaum family. If you don't know them, you should get to know them because there's power in connection. There's power in relationship. Um, but I was, I was looking at all these names that these marketing experts had given us. Um, and it's important as you, as you pray, God hears us when we pray. And so um, I just closed my eyes and I tell a lot of stories. So you might see the, the BIV version. So many of you read your Bible and it's the new international version. Today, it's the black international version. So things are going to be paraphrased. Things are going to, I tell my, my, my daughters at night Bible stories with animation. So that's what you're going to experience today. I think the news bombs can tell you AJ is often very animated. And so I, I know a great relationship with her son. So you're going to get that from me this morning. But um, I closed my eyes sitting at, at the desk and you know, I had heard for so long, North Tulsa is a food desert, a food desert. And so I said, Lord, what, what would I want if I was physically in a desert? The desert's hot. Everybody close your eyes for a second. Go on this journey with me. We're going on a non-spiritual journey. But so we're hot. It's where we're walking. There's lots of hills and, and sand is everywhere. And our mouth is dry. You know, you get that white stuff in your mouth. It's just gunky and you're, you're just parched. And then you, you say, man, what would I want in a desert? Yes, we would want water. We want water in a desert. And man, yes, we want food in a desert. But man, we want an oasis in the desert. You can open your eyes, boys and girls. So as, as I, I felt, I saw a picture of like Hawaii, like man, an oasis. And I went to Google and I said, what's the definition? I love terms and definitions, really the inception of something, the start. I, I, that's where my brain works and processes and systems. So I, I, and I'll be talking to you, giving you some definitions this morning. Um, so I looked up the definition of oasis and it means refuge, safe place, shelter. And I just began to weep in that moment. I can still feel that moment. I began to weep in that moment because, um, I was, I was battling in my heart, uh, being at the Tulsa Dream Center, like Pastor Justin said, five years, and I'm thinking, Lord, this is what I'm giving my life to, and really had a singular focus for that. Um, and at that time, I was battling like, Lord, this is one of the greatest years Dream Center has had the past two years, and how, man, how can I, how can I do that? Um, and really in that moment when I read that definition, the Holy Spirit reminded me, go into all the world. That doesn't just mean a church. That doesn't just mean a Christian organization. Go into all the world because even though we are in a church, you as individuals, as leaders, as employees, as ambassadors to God, you're, you are the church everywhere that you go. At the cleaners, at the coffee shop, at the grocery store. Hopefully it's the, the Oasis grocery store. But wherever you are, you're called to be a light. And we're living in a dark world, so you need to, being in ministry is not just being on the platform. If you're waiting for the sermon, I guess I'm already in it. Being in ministry is not just being on the platform. It's wherever God has called you to reach people. You are a leader. Everybody say, I'm a leader. I'm victorious. I'm strong. I'm anointed. I hear God's voice and I obey. I'm the head and not the tail. 
I'm above and not beneath. I'm a can-do person. Come on, I'm a can-do person. I rise above. God is in me. Jesus in my heart. And I never depart. I'm powerful. I'm brave. And I'm good looking. What I just took you, that is what I say to my daughters every morning and every night. So you give yourselves a round of applause for being a miniature Johnson for Jesus. Yes. But the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart. So it's important that you, 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 you uh, let's see, something that I, that I often live by. I heard this quote, things are created twice. Once in your mind before it's created in the physical. So this building, the architect or whoever designed it actually had designed it in, in their minds before they designed it on paper. So my football coach used to always say, if you can hold it, if you can think it in your mind, you can hold it in your hand. So I equate that to, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The power of your mind is very real. I never would have thought years ago, even though I've had over seven years in the grocery industry, I never would have thought that I would have the opportunity to minister to people in the form of a grocery store. And I think Seth has some pictures. I'll tell this story of Mr. Mitchell. So we are in our 18th day of Oasis Fresh Market. We opened May 17th after 14 years of having no, no grocery store. And really before we opened the grocery store, I said, Lord, how can we, how can my wife and I have a ministry aspect involved? Yes, it's a faith-based grocery store. Um, we pray with our staff. We do devotionals every day. But I said, Lord, there, there, there's something else. And so I, I had this idea, um, really the Oasis Project. It's, it's our nonprofit as well. Still in conjunction with the Tulsa Dream Center as far as helping. We're going to have a STEM program where boys and girls are going to grow fresh produce. And then they will be able to sell it in the store. And it will be a part of their entrepreneurship. Uh, so we're teaching entrepreneurship and leadership incubators. So stay connected. Come on, Jesus. Stay connected to this church because this church is doing great things. And I want to give a shout out to you all because you're connected to this church. Man, you guys have churches all over the world and you may never be able to go to those churches physically, but you're serving in this house. You're praying for your pastors. You're giving of your time, your talent and your treasure. It makes a difference. So I want to encourage you, each and every one of you, continue to pray for your pastors. Man, when your pastors get up here, week in, week out, day in, day out, I want to encourage you to pray for them. Send them text messages of, of encouragement because you never know as a pastor what they're walking through behind the scenes. So just, I just want to share that your support to them, your staying connected to this house is so important. Amen? So, um, Mr., so we had this idea, and I, I just felt like first Saturday. So I, 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 my wife and I started our very, it's called the Oasis Project, and yesterday was our first Saturday, and what we did is we brought back Shop to You Drop. How many remember that Shop to You Drop? So it, yesterday was actually a rigged Shop to You Drop. So Mr. Mitchell uh, is a 64-year-old man, his, and he lives in North Tulsa. His daughter got shot and shot and killed in October. Um, not only did she get shot, but one of the kids was also shot. 
um, by a boyfriend, and then he was going to shoot the other child, uh, 13-year-old, but the young boy got into the closet and called 911. And so I heard this story when it happened, but uh, another friend of mine that handles their insurance said, AJ, I want to buy some groceries, give him a $25 gift card. And right there in my heart, I knew the Holy Spirit said, we got to do something more. So we set up the shop to you drop yesterday and uh, he brought his family to the store. He's got three kids. He's got a six month old young girl, a seventh year old, seven year old boy and a 13 year old boy. minus the unfortunate child that was murdered. But he took them into their home because there was nothing, nothing left, nowhere else to, for them to go. And two of them have severe autism, um, like very severe. And yesterday, yesterday we had the opportunity to make him think that he was in a competition. And we gave him four minutes to go around the store and, and shop. And um, we said, hey, Mr. Mitchell, you, this is Reba was our customer service manager. You and Reba are in a competition. Whoever gets the highest total will win. Um, and you can't just go to the steak section and get all the steaks. You know, you got to get groceries that you can. You're shopping for a week's worth of groceries is how we, we posed it. And um, obviously she she wasn't really in the competition, but um, he didn't know that. So four minutes go by and he gets to the, the cash register and, you know, the whole store. I had a, a megaphone. The whole store rallies around and we announced the winner and, you know, he rang up, I want to say like $700 worth of groceries. And I said, I, j- I just felt that we were supposed to sew into that as well uh, over and above. And so I said, Mr. Mitchell, we're going to we're going to give you a month's worth of grocery over two thousand um, dollars. Yeah. And he called me probably 14 times yesterday and he just said, is this real? This is real. No one's ever done anything like this for me. And I'm, I'm 64. His birthday was last Wednesday. And he's, he said, I'm 64 years old. And, and the only thing I care about is that someone will take care of these kids. Because I know that I won't live much longer. But all I care about is these, is these babies. And right then in that moment, I said, thank you. It's an honor to serve you, Mr. Mitchell. I'm no longer on staff in a, quote, church or or, or Christian nonprofit, but we're called to be the light wherever we are. Just because you may not have pastor in front of your name doesn't mean that you're not a disciple to point people to Jesus. And so I I don't know why, but I, I feel to stay here in this moment Some of you have been on the fence about being plugged in here at the church. Or maybe some of you have have been on the fence about being a a, a light on your job. And that doesn't mean that you have to go around telling everybody, man, I'm a Christian. No, it's how you live. Is Is there something different about your life than those that you work with? Is there something different? And I just feel like if there isn't, today is an opportunity for you to hit that reset that reset button in your heart and say, Lord, give me the courage and the strength to to be who you're calling me to be in my workplace or in my school or in my neighborhood or in my community, whatever it is. Do you receive that? Okay, I don't know. That that wasn't in my note, so just crying. I guess because God gave me three daughters, all I do is cry now. So um, 
Dr. Nussbaum, I need a boy next, so I don't know if there's a, something that we can work out, but, you know, let's, let's talk afterwards, Dr. Nussbaum. Okay, how many are ready for the word this morning? Yes, after we're wiping eyes, I see you, friend. I'm wiping with you. So I really have two titles, but same content. So I'm going to ask this side first. Okay, so the first title I have is Expectation, the Seed for Miracles. Expectation, the Seed for Miracles. Okay, remember that? Okay, this side. The next title same content, but I, this, you, you guys, the jury will vote and you guys decide. The next one that I sent was miracles in motion. Okay. So I'm going to stay in the middle. So you guys vote. You're going to have to cheer, shout, scream. So if it's expectation miracles and if it's expectation, the seed for miracles, give me a shout. Okay. Or if it's miracles in motion, give me a shout. Okay. The jury has voted. Miracles in motion is the title of the sermon. Let's go, Jesus. One, two, three. Let's go. Game time. Okay. Watermelon and summertime. How many love watermelon? Yes. As long as you're buying it from the Oasis, that's all that matters. Okay. There will be some shameless plugs uh, or non-shameless plugs for the Oasis coming in. Um, but I, I love watermelon. I grew up in a single parent home. And many times at night, especially in the summer, we may not have had food, but we always had a whole watermelon. And so, and, and multiple of them. I remember my mom used to cut it in half and then cut it in the corner, uh, a quarter. And she would say, go outside and eat that watermelon. So you could, you spit the seeds outside, you know, on the concrete. And, and that was dinner. Sometimes it was, man, you had two, three or four slices, but that was it. And so my, my, my little, my little Blasians, my girl power, uh, all the women make some noise, girl power. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, my, my daughters love watermelon. And my, my daughter, my oldest daughter, Maya, we eat it probably every other day, but yet she still will ask me, Daddy, and I, am I going to be pregnant with a watermelon baby? I said, you're pregnant with potential. Ain't no babies in there, okay? <laughs> Just Jesus and potential is all that's, that, that's in there. Um, but everything in life, talking about miracles in motion, everything in life that was created or has been created came in the form of a seed or first started in the seed, in seed form, whether it was an idea, whether it was a baby, whether it was an apple or a watermelon. If you think about it, most things came in the form of a seed. And a seed is just a seed until it's placed in the right environment where what's in it can be released. So your life is a seed. Your mind is a seed. And it makes a difference about the environment that you're in. Is that environment growing you or is that environment draining you, taking away from you? Because now more than ever is the greatest opportunity. I shouldn't say greatest opportunity. Now more than ever, the world needs believers, strong believers to rise up like never before. The world is screaming louder and louder where the church individually and collectively has to rise up because we're called to be a city on a hill. It doesn't matter your race. It matters who you serve. And right now, the Bible says the eyes of the Lord are searching to and fro. So the eyes of the Lord are searching. Is, is there one? 
Man, who, who's going to rise up here in this, in this field? Maybe it's the medical field or the, or the grocery field or the landscaping field or the education field or the preschool field, the nursery field. God is looking for you to rise up. That's why the unique gifts that God has given you is not just for you, but it's for those that you're called to serve. The greatest thing we can hear at the end of our lives is, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Not pastor, not leader, not teacher, not educator, but serving. How is your serving? The definition of expectation is a strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. Oh, they got it. Good job. Give it up. Shout out for Seth. Seth is my man, baby. A strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. Now, this message is about faith, and I hope that this would enlarge and strengthen your faith. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 11:1, 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. So when is faith? It's not a true question. When, when is faith? When is faith, boys and girls? When is faith? Okay, so we'll go back to Daniel. Daniel had, in the Bible, Daniel had prayed, and he was on a 21-day fast, and there was a wrestling. He prayed, and the answer was immediately sent. The Bible tells us the answer was on its way. The Bible also tells us now faith. So faith is not yesterday. Faith is never late. The Bible clearly defines now faith. Now faith is. But yet there is an enemy, a, a, a distractor, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. There's an enemy that wants to steal the answer from you. And so that's why persevering is so important. Anything great worth going after will require some perseverance. I remember even in April before the store was set to open and I had put everything on the line. I mean, my baby's diapers, the dirty diapers, the trash, our 401k, like everything on the line for the store. And I remember just feeling this sense of just overwhelmness, just, just crying in the store. And, um, I remember too, in that moment, I was like, Oh, I need to tell my wife that this is our whole life is on this thing. Um, and so I, I was crying. That was probably really why I was crying with all the emotion. I was afraid to tell her that. Come on, Hayes, good to see you. Yes, she said, yes. Husbands, I do not advise you to do that, but I had a word from the Lord. Hi, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I remember, I remember going home and uh, after I, you know, it was the ugly cry, like just, <laughs> just, I remember I was doing that in the store. Like, I'm afraid, Lord, like, is this going to succeed? Is it going to make it? Everybody has all these things. This quote, Remember, came to me, the most important thing is not the size of your faith, but it is the one behind your faith. I'm going to say that again. The most important thing is not the size of your faith, but it is the one behind your faith. And if you're truly anchored on Christ, he's the one behind your faith. And that's one thing that came back to my remembrance and I remember going home and, and nervously telling my wife, um, telling my wife, hey, we, we put, we've abandoned it all. If this don't work, um, I don't know where we're going to live, babe, you know? And, and I remember she was holding the baby. And she was like, okay, better make it work. And I was like, ah, you feel even more pressure because she didn't yell. You know, she didn't Christian cuss. She was just like, she's holding the baby. I remember in the kitchen, she's holding the baby, patting it. She's like, okay, 
Well, you better make it work then. And I felt more pressure from that than putting everything on the line. Again, husbands, I don't advise for you to do that. If you did see Dr. Nussbaum afterwards, he can send you to counseling or something. But I, I remember just feeling that, feeling that, that weight and that responsibility, but I had to get back to who's called me. Who's called me for this? And it was moments like seeing Mr. Mitchell yesterday, seeing his, his family come to the store, having the opportunity to pray with him. That right there just lets us know, man, when God is in it. And little, little to us is much to God when we give it to him. So I just want to encourage you, whatever you have, God can multiply it if you're willing to give it back to him got to read that quote one more time because I feel like that's for someone. You need to know the most important thing is not the size of your faith, but it is the one behind your faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. So it's important how you think. The evidence of things not yet seen, which means it starts in your mind. You were created, and I tell this to my girls every day. You were created in the image of God. So that's why it's very important that we, on a daily basis that you use your imagination. You say, well, what, what do you mean use your imagination? If, we, if image is the root word of imagination, right, boys and girls? Yeah, it's group, group, group answer. Yes, okay. So it's very important as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And if we were created in the image of God, going back to now faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. Where does the evidence of things not yet seen happen? Where? In the mind. So it's very important and it is connected back to as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Where your head goes, your life goes. So how's your thinking this morning? If your, your, your thoughts were on the big screen, would we be able to see that it's headed in the right direction? The thoughts that you're thinking. That, that's scary for some of us. If, if someone was to really have the ability to put the thoughts on the screen, are you thinking that you're worth it? Or are you thinking... Man, I always mess up. Man, I, I, I'm not pretty enough. Or I'm not strong enough or I'm not smart enough. I'm not talented enough. That's a lie from the enemy. What does the word say? The word says you are the head and not the tail. You were created in the image of God. So if God created you, he created you uniquely, intentionally and with purpose. So you're loved, you're valuable. Those are the things, and that's not even a part of my sermon. I gotta get back to the sermon because the keys is about to come up, and that's the note like, AJ, cut it off. Um, so in order for your faith to work, there has to be an expectation. I'm gonna read to you the story in 1 Kings chapter 17. This was Elijah. There was a, a, a drought in the land, and Elijah, God told Elijah to go to Zarephath. Everybody say Zarephath. So in verse number 10, I believe that's where we're starting. Let's go to 10. Uh, so he went to Zarephath and he came to a directed, oh, I skipped it. So he went to, he came to a little town and a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and he said, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? 
what you've got to recognize is, is in that time, women, unfortunately, were not seen as valuable as men. So here is this woman, her husband had passed away, and so now it's just her and her son. And the Bible tells us that she was gathering sticks. And he said, may I have a little jar to drink? And as, he was, as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, hey, would you please bring me some bread too? And just imagine, put on your imagination for a moment, She says in verse 12, as surely as the Lord your God lives, I don't have any bread. We just, we just have a little. There's a famine. There's a, there's a pandemic in the world. Because this was taking place when there was severe drought, severe famine. Kind of sounds like the, the, the time that we were in and just coming out of. There, there's a severe pandemic. I'm a widow woman. I, I, I don't have a job. And I'm getting these sticks, gathering them to bake this cake for my son and I so that we would eat them and die. She had an expectation. And he says, she says, I don't have only a handful of flour. Gathering six, verse 13. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home as you have said, but first. Everybody say, but first. I mean, here's the, I mean he, he was a prophet. God had sent him. But he clearly dismissed what she said. He said, but first, make a loaf of bread for me. That's a slap in the face. Like she, she's pouring her heart out. I have nothing left. I'm gathering sticks. He says, but first, as you get in the water, make me a little Scooby snack. You know, I, I just, I need a little bread, put a little butter on that, you know. But first, make me a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord says. The flour, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run out. This is the verse that I really want you to pay attention to. Talking about expectation. She had an expectation to gather the sticks and die. And he didn't, I believe he dismissed her, but he dismissed her by faith. He said, but first make something for me and then make something for yourself and your son. Little is much when God is involved. What she thought in the natural was her very last. By obeying God, not only was there enough for her, for her to make a meal for him first, but then there was enough for her and her son and then the Bible says later on that the oil and the flour didn't run out until the rain came. Are you willing to trust God even when you can't trace his finger? Are you willing to trust God even maybe when the bank account was a little low? Are you willing to trust God when someone has hurt you, when someone has walked out on you, when you're dealing with depression or oppression or you got that doctor's report? Are you willing to trust God? God, are you really my healer? God, where were you when, when this happened to me when I was a child? Where were you when I, when I was afraid? I, 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 I've walked through something and, I, and, and I've never told anybody this, but where were you? And I feel like this morning someone, someone might be just still carrying that weight. The woman with the issue of blood, the Bible tells us that she first thought to herself, 
She had the issue of blood for 13 years. And, and before I go there, I, I battled meningitis as a, as a, well, first I battled asthma as a kid. And I remember it was, it was probably like two or three in the morning after my parents got divorced. I was having a severe asthma attack and I was, and, and so my, my mom immediately took me to the hospital and, and I, I remember gasping for, gasping for air and asking my mom, am, am I gonna, gonna die? I remember in that moment, I remember I had red Chicago Bull sweatpants on and I was a little boy and I remember feeling in that moment, am I gonna die? Is this it? And my mom's crying because she says, why is a little boy asking, am I going to die? And she said, just start saying Jesus. And I remember with every breath, Jesus. And, 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 and the nurses and the doctors rushed around. And obviously I lived through that and, then, and, and, and have grown out of asthma, thank God. But then in college, my second year in college, had had meningitis and had to medically withdraw from school and was having seizures at the same time and the medicine wasn't working and I lost 80 pounds and couldn't drive because I was having all kinds of seizures. And I remember once being in the hospital the second time around that I said, the pain is too much, God, can I just go? And even as I say that, I feel like maybe someone has asked that themselves. Why am I still here? What was I born for? I feel like I don't have a purpose. You may feel empty on the inside. And I remember being in, in the hospital at St. John, I'm sorry, Hillcrest, downtown. And I remember my mind flashing back to when I was a little boy and asking and saying the name of Jesus. And I remember just crying. I was alone in the hospital and I was just crying out, Jesus, heal me. Jesus, heal me. And I hadn't, I hadn't been, eat, been able to eat in days. And they were trying to get me to do ice chips and, and, and apple juice and just anything would just cringe my stomach. And I remember that later that afternoon that I, I finally was able to have some apple juice. And then two hours later, they were doing blood work and the blood work was starting to change. And, and then in the middle of the night, they were like, okay, let's try to go for a walk because it looks like something's happening. And what they thought would take me a year to recover from, God did it in six months. But there was a divine expectation that I said, God, if, if I'm supposed to live, God, I need a word. I, I need something to change. I was desperately crying out, I need something to change. Just like the woman with the issue of blood. For 13 years, she battled. And, I, and I'm no doctor, but I, Dr. Nussbaum, I, I'm sure when you lose a lot of blood, you're probably weak, right? So just imagine this, this widow woman, or, or this, the Bible doesn't say if she was a widow, but this woman losing blood for 13 years. I, I, imagine, I imagine her probably just having to muster all the courage together to get to Jesus. Because everywhere that Jesus went, there was a massive crowd. People would flock to Jesus. But just think if, for 12 or 13 years, she battled this. She spent all that she had on every type of doctor, on every type of herb, just doing it because she wanted to get healed. She probably just wanted to live a normal life. So I imagine her with all these crowds of people, she heard that Jesus was coming to town. 
Maybe they didn't have screens on their windows, so she heard Jesus, people outside saying, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. So this weak woman putting on her, her cloak, her robe, and just, and just pressing her way to Jesus. Sometimes great things require you to press through. You gotta press through that hurt. You gotta press through that fear. Press through that depression, that anxiety. And so she's, she's pressing, excuse me, I just need to get to Jesus. Excuse me. I'm, oh, she's in, I, I'm imagining that she's in pain. It took every muster of strength to get to Jesus. But when she heard Jesus was coming, the Bible says she first thought to herself. Your thoughts are connected to your faith. Your thoughts and the expectations are connected to your faith. So she, she, she reaches down. I imagine she reaches down and the Bible says, she touched the hem of his garment and immediately she was healed. And Jesus said, who touched me? The disciples and people around him like, Jesus, there's, there's everyone around you. There's, there's all these people. What do you mean who touched you? There's, there's a million hands around you, Jesus. But there was one. There was one. There was one. There was one that Jesus knew. There was one. And I feel in this moment, and, and, and it happened at, at the 11 or, or the, the 830, the real safe church, but at the 830, just kidding. There was, there was, there was one, I, I gave the word, I said, in this moment, I feel like there's a heart, and I saw a picture of a heart in the 830, and I said, I feel like there's a person that has like a stinger, a big stinger, or a hornet, I don't know, just a stinger in the middle of the heart like you've gone through something or, or, or someone has hurt you. And I said, I don't know, it might be for this service or it might be for the service after, but I said, if that's you, stand up. And it was quiet for a little bit. And, and all of a sudden there was one woman sitting, sitting right where my man in the peach shirt is. And, and, and she stood up and she was the only one. And I feel like it's not the same call in this service, but I don't know if there's one person that you're, you're in a season of heaviness Yeah, I, I just sense that it, heaviness. I don't know what that is, whether it's on the job, whether it's in your relationship, whether it's in your finances. But right here in this moment, before we close the sermon out, I didn't even get to all my notes, but I feel like if, if, you're in, if, if that's you, you felt like that, that, that woman with the issue of blood that you, you, you feel like you've always had to continue to press. God, where's my breakthrough? God, when, it, when is it my turn? If that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, would you stand up? You're in a season that you're, you're battling. Yeah. You're in a season that you, 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 need, you need a little bit of encouragement. Yes, ma'am. God is moving even now. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. would open your eyes for a moment and if you're standing by or it's near someone would you just stretch your hand or, 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 or touch them
Father, right here, right now. Your presence is here. Thank you, Lord, that you're healing Jesus. Father, you're the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end and everything in between. So, Father, right now we lift up these individuals. We lift up what they're going through. And we release and speak the peace of God like never before. God, I thank you for even giving them the courage to stand up. And I sense there's more. But, Lord, I thank you that even those that might be sitting down, that are afraid to take that step, that God, even them, that they would sense your presence right now. You're all we want, Father. And Lord, we're expecting right now in the name of Jesus that things would begin to turn even now. Whether it's healing, God, whether it's relationally, whether it's emotionally or physically, financially, whatever it is that you need, that they need, God, I thank you that it's turning around. Have your way, Jesus. Have your way, Jesus. Let's just say that name together. Say the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You're all we want, Father. You can, you can have a seat as we get ready to close. And I want to I encourage you that, that, that stood up. And honestly, it was, it was all women. And that's, that's powerful. God's working. God's working, my friend. And I want to encourage you all as a church tonight to remember this moment before you go to sleep tonight and just say a prayer for those that, that, that stood as if it was your family member in need. Pray for their miracle. And I believe as you position yourself to maybe... Maybe put their needs ahead of yours, even though you don't know their needs. Just pray for them tonight. And I'm going to believe, I told this to Pastor Sammy in the last service, I'm going to believe that those that stood up, and hopefully as a church, that before the end of this month, that you all will be able to come tell your pastor, whatever situation that you were going through or you're walking through, that, that there's a turning point, that you would begin to see breakthrough, that things would begin to change. Four keys for expectation. The first one is belief. Matthew 9, 29, two blind men were followed. The Bible says two blind men followed Jesus. How do two blind men follow Jesus? Sometimes people that have eyesight have no vision and people without eyesight have more vision. I want to encourage you to get the vision that God has for your life. To get the vision that God has for your life. Matthew 9, 29, the two blind men were screaming out, Son of David, Son of David, please have mercy on us. And they got louder and louder and people tried to silence them. People tried to tell them to be quiet. But it got Jesus' attention and Jesus went over to them and he said, he said, what do you want? We want to see Jesus. And he said, become what you believe. Belief matters. Four keys for expectation. The first one is belief. Everybody say belief. The second one, thought. We already covered it. As a man thinketh in his heart, 
Matthew 9, 21, the woman with the issue of blood, she thought to herself, her mind and her heart were in agreement with her faith. Her mind and her heart were in agreement with her faith. This morning, I want to encourage you to hit the reset button, maybe in areas that your mind and your heart haven't been aligned with your faith. Those of you that stood up, get your minds and your heart in agreement with your faith and watch God work. You cannot change what you possess unless you change what you're believing for or expecting. You cannot change what you possess unless you can change what you are believing for. The third key is preparation. Everybody say prepare. Second Kings chapter four. I'm giving you a lot of content because I feel like this is a teaching message for you. Second Kings four, the woman, the widow woman, a different story. A widow woman was also in a famine, in a pandemic. She had two sons and she was going to give her sons to the creditors that they would have a better life and that she would have a better life. But the prophet came to her town and said, what do you have in your house? She said, just a little oil. He said, go have your sons go get as many jars, as many jars as they can find. Go get as many of them. Go in the house, the Bible says, and close the door behind you. Sometimes you've got to close the door and get alone with God. It's good that you have, you've got a community it's good that you've got relationship, but sometimes things are meant for a season for just you and God while he's doing the work in you. And so she, the, the, the widow woman goes and closes the door after they go, and I'm sure ask neighbors for everything, jars, can, can we have jars? She goes in, they shut the door, and she begins to pour. And what she thought was a little, uh, all of a sudden that, that one jar was filled, and so she goes to the next, and and it's filled and, and to the next and to the next and to the next. And, and when they ran out of jars, the oil stopped. Are you available for God to do a work in you? Or, or are you busy? You've got other priorities. Because when her capacity ran out, as far as the oil, the vessels that could be poured in, that's when the oil stopped. Spending time with God on a daily basis enlarges the capacity for God to pour his love on you. So whatever, whatever field that you're in, that you can pour your love on others. And the greatest thing about God is that he's an abundant God. There's no shortages in heaven. The Bible tells us your will be done on earth as it is in where? In heaven. So praying that prayer is every day is so important because especially today we need God's love more than ever because people want to insult us. People want to you know, say things. Don't get caught up in the trap. Live your life through the love of God. God's love compels people, which means it draws them. It, draws, it doesn't push people away. God's love compels them. Having the opportunity to pray for Mr. Mitchell yesterday, I don't know if, if, if he was in church, but you can tell he's lived a hard life. And, and when we got done praying, he said, man, I, I felt that in my heart. It wasn't in a church. You can do that at the dental office, wherever you are. Let the love of God compel people. So prepare yourself. The last one is action. Everybody say, take action. James 1.22 says, be doers of the word. As we close, God is infinitely bigger 
than your biggest problem. And his grace is infinitely bigger than your greatest sin. God is infinitely bigger than your greatest problem. Whatever problem that you have, and our problems can feel daunting, our problems can feel overwhelming, our problems can make us feel insecure, but God is so much bigger than that. And God is infinitely bigger, infinitely bigger than our greatest sin. Even the, the things that we tell no one, even the things that we would be ashamed if, if it got out, God's bigger. His grace covers you. Just like if you're growing up, growing up, we, uh, we were always in the grace period with our bills. You've got three days to pay, so the due date is this day, but you really know, man, they're going to give me two more days. You know, my cell phone back in college, I was always like, can I just put $25 down today and pay the other 25 tomorrow? I was living in that grace period with the cell phone company. But the great thing about God's grace is it's infinitely bigger than our greatest sin. And, and I, I lived a life that I, I shouldn't be in ministry. I, I shouldn't be standing on stage because I, I, I'm not a perfect, perfect, per, perfect person and I've walked through things, but I said, I made a decision, Lord, I'm available. Lord, I'm available. If you would, bow your heads in and close your eyes. As pastor comes, the most important thing is not the size of your faith. It's the one behind your faith. I just want to encourage you this morning with every head bowed and every eyes closed to expect great things for your life because God's got a great plan for your life. God made you uniquely unique and he made you on purpose. He designed you and crafted you for your will, for his will to be done on earth through you. There are people standing in the gap that need what you have. See yourself the way that God sees you, that you're restored, that you're whole, that you're valuable. God's hand is on your life, that you're loved, that you're appreciated, that you're strong. God hears you. God knows you. Even when you feel, maybe some of you have felt abandoned. God's grace is sufficient for you. Keep trusting him. I hope that you've received the word this morning. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions or in need of prayer or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at nicole at foundationschurch.tv.